there's no black people in my town. Sorry, yeah. Hi. Um, welcome to the Jib. Uh, this bi-weekly podcast is about the many and varied schemes of the many and varied U.S. law enforcement and intelligence agencies, organizations, and committees, and how they are stupid and funny. Join us on our merry journey through space and time. Hi, my name is Barry. You might know me as the guy who always stops to say hello to the greeters in Costco. <laughs> Uh, hello, everybody. Uh, I'm Seamus. Uh, you may know me from my narration work on the documentary Wigs, the Fruit of Syphilis. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> you may okay. notice today that we have a guest. Uh, this gentleman here below. Hey, hey. hey, tell everybody who you are. Hey, I'm Brentley. Uh, I uh, do a show called Punk Apostate. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's fun. I like I like to make fun of religion, typically. I like punk, uh, and I like apostate. All right. Hey, then this is your bag. Yes, it would occur to me. <laughs> <laughs> everything you want right here. Yeah. Uh, punk pasta? Is it? No. Oh, apostate. I mean, punk pasta is good. Oh, That's yeah. probably the best of all the pastas, uh, yeah. honestly. But um, I know it's it, this is the word apostate sounds weird sometimes. <laughs> yeah, because usually, usually they use it about Muslims, don't they? Like they 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 tend to only use it about Muslims. Yeah, it's weird These how days it, anyway. Yeah, you don't you typically don't hear it too often for like the ex-evangelical type of uh but they know, are all, in fact, as well. Right. Yeah, technically, right? You know, it's just uh um I think we are starting to use it a little bit more now because you have like all these different apostates coming out. Like it's like that's a new <laughs> kind of trend as far as yeah. like skeptical YouTubes go. But yeah, it's cool, it's a lot of fun. it's like a mystery science theater kind of thing, except I watch <laughs> fundamentalists, <laughs> you oh, know. God. Just let them say stuff and then laugh about it, <laughs> you know, because it's, it's wildly entertaining, to be honest. It's it's funny. <laughs> yeah, it's a good time. I, I Thanks again for having me on at one time. It was a lot of fun. So, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was yeah. a great time. You guys should definitely check it out. So yeah. uh, today uh, we're doing a story that isn't your typical story. It's not a clear cut, you know, CIA, FBI doing some sort of tomfoolery. All right. I'm out. Well. Thanks. Oh, Jesus, Mary. Okay. Uh, <laughs> So we're dealing with something that uh, before the, you know these organizations actually became to what they are today, there's some shenanigans that went down. Um, so we're going to talk about one of those stories that kind of influenced it. Um, but before that, uh, it was kind of reminded to me that some people don't know geography or U.S. geography, and that might come up a little bit in this well, story. Not Americans. That's me. Yep. I don't. I don't know. Jim. <laughs> oh, so okay, I was homeschooled. And... I was kind of pointing out the guy that's not from America, but okay. That's really Thanks. I, I, I spent some time in America, and I spoke to people who couldn't find Ireland on a map, right, of the world. Fair enough. Who gives a shit, right? But they also couldn't find their own state on a map of America. <laughs> that sounds so American. That's it's not funny. Different. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't hold it against anybody if they couldn't find Ireland on a map. But man. Like, wait, where are the lines and the words? Do you yes, know, I need the words to. Can I you spoke just... to somebody who thought Alaska was an island. <laughs> it's right next because to Hawaii. Yeah, that's yeah, because yeah, on the map, on the map like Canada, right? you know, yeah, mm. Hawaii is not in the Mexican Gulf. So They're both next to each other, right? There's <laughs> yeah, right. at the bottom, the bottom corner. <laughs> Why is, Why is Alaska so cold and Hawaii is so yeah. hot? If the rain. Anyway, theory. Okay. I used to think that like literally when I was a kid. <laughs> so, so funny. Here's a map. Remember, on. Oh, no, just kidding. Uh, so Oregon. right there where it says Mingo no. Junction, or sorry, Mingo County, that's uh, going to be kind of where we're going to be talking about. It's the, in the very ass end of what's called West Virginia. That Can state there. What, what kind of what program did you use to create that map? 
I didn't create it. I just, Oregon Trail. Oh, that's it. Because, yeah. because, yeah. because I'm thinking, like, it what's, like what's the criteria like. for inclusion of a city? Yeah, I don't know either, man. Oh, okay, because it's got like city, it's got capitals, state capitals, but then it has Virginia Beach. Yeah. Oh yeah. Very odd. And it, also, it also has the marble from Marble Madness. Like this is very old. Like <laughs> <laughs> video game nerds are gonna love this. Like this. Yeah. Is... <laughs> so one thing I like to point out that uh, apparently what was lost on the uh, writers and producers, Mel Brooks, <clears throat> of History of the World Part Two, uh, yeah. West Virginia is north of Virginia and wasn't part of the Confederate state, even though his documentary Wink Wink Nudge Nudge says otherwise. So no way. Anyways, yeah, West Virginia was was in the Confederacy, surely. No, that's right. the, how do you how do you account West Virginia for was, people? West Virginia was formed because they split from Virginia because they want to be part of the Union. They were against slavery. Wow! But it, but in fucking history of the world part two, they said, "Hey, we need to go get some slaves. Let's go to West Virginia." What the? F it's like no, goddamn. Wow. Oh, we have John Den. We have a shitty John Denver song in this. Come on, give us what we got. Come on. <laughs> Right. I, I love you. I'm just shitty about that song. <laughs> no, absolutely not. But like when you think of West Virginia, that's exactly what I think of. You know, is like the most southern you can get. Like yes. the hills have eyes, yeah. kind of southern. Well, when, you look at, you look, when we look at like maps of metrics and so on, there's always a black hole yeah. in like Mississippi and Louisiana. Well, yeah, kind, of a, of kind of a secondary black hole in West Virginia. And any of those yeah. maps for income or disease or hurricanes or whatever there's always like a black hole around mississippi and louisiana and then another bit in west virginia well so i don't know i would have put them down as a as a as a confederate state they certainly are now sorry exactly yeah they've, they've adapted <laughs> That's unkind sorry yeah. it's okay so yeah. i just want to give you guys that little history lesson of where we're at mingo county uh, yeah, yep right the other the other state that's like going to be border and right there where mingo is is kentucky so it's like right there that's the chicken gas. thing the chicken yeah. leg yeah mm -hmm. Yeah, on the tray of Tennessee. Chicken. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. So <laughs> we're right there on the bottom. Nice. So, anyways, to start our story, May fifteenth, eighteen ninety one or eighteen ninety three. We're not. Uh, I'll take eighteen ninety one, please. Okay. Uh, William Sidfield Hatfield was born in Blackberry Pike County, Kentucky. Oh, hello. The tenth of twelve children, of whom nine survived infancy. You know what that guy looks like. He looks like. He looks like, you know, the bad guy in an X-Files episode, but it turns out you actually feel bad for him when you hear his story. <laughs> yeah. That's what he looks like. Well, he ends up being not the bad guy. Like yeah, he ends up being not the bad guy. He's just yeah. accidentally killed a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. His, his, his grandfather, Jeremiah, was half-brother of Valentine Hatfield, grandfather of William Anderson Devil Ants Hatfield, a.k.a. the leader of the Hatfield family involved in the famous Hatfield-McCoy feud. Who was okay. you know portrayed by Kevin Costner in that uh, documentary series that was okay. about uh, documentary series? Um, <laughs> uh, as a child, uh, Hatfield worked uh, on his father's farm, and in his teens, Sid uh, did what many young men uh, in the area were forced to work. Uh, he joined the uh, army. He, nope, he became a coal miner. Ah, okay. So, what you do? Did you know West Virginia Mountain Mama is big on coal there, Barry? I did not know that. I would have said Pennsylvania. You would have said Pennsylvania? Well, mm. Mountain Mama it is. Uh, okay. uh, coal mining uh, would become a big deal in West Virginia around the mid-1800s. Uh, by mm. early 1900s, coal was uh, the powering industry of railroads, steel cars, uh, while also heating many homes and businesses. Mm. Demand for coal from the fields of West Virginia surged by a century's end. 
This was part due to quality and quantity of the coal, but also the lack of something called unions. Yeah. Yep. Something we'll come back to here in a few. Um, coal miners uh, suffered from the highest fatality rates among industry workers during the early 1900s. Large-scale disasters were frequent, uh, leading to hundreds of mm. mining, uh, miners dying from roof collapse, explosion, fires uh, every year. And West Virginia yeah. mine safety laws were the weakest in the country. Uh, and what laws did exist had fewer, if any, provisions to, ins to ensure their enforcement. Wonder why that is, huh? That's mm. crazy. So now the real question is, uh, Barry, how many times will West Virginia be mentioned in this week's top 10? Let's find out. These are the top 10 coal mine disasters in the U.S. Number one, Avondale Mine Disaster, 1869. Located in Plymouth, Pennsylvania, an explosion resulted in the deaths of 110 miners. So wow. uh, that's too many for my book. shit. I, I know, right? At number two, the Monongah Mining Disaster of 1907. The worst coal mine disaster in U.S. history with 360 fatalities. Occurred in, sorry, I'm reading this list for the first time to explain. Occurred in Monongah, West Virginia. Seamus gave me this list yesterday, and he's, he just said, what about this, you know? I said, okay, Jeez. yeah. 360 people, man. That's that's not cool. That's the whole workforce, right? Like, that's, there's <laughs> nobody <laughs> left. Like, what? It's yeah. a town. It's Holy just two Chinese children left. Wow. Um, the number three, the Cherry Mine Disaster. What a lovely name, Cherry Mine. The Cherry Mine Disaster of 1909. A fire in Cherry, Illinois, claimed the lives of 259 miners making it again one of the deadliest disasters in U.S. history. 259 miners. Good Lord. Number four, the Dawson Mining Disaster, 1913. An explosion in Dawson, New Mexico took out 263. Number five, Hannah Number 1 Mine Disaster, 1902. Occurred in Hannah, Wyoming and resulted in the deaths of 169. Number six, the Frisco Mine Explosion of 1913 located in Eccles, West Virginia. This disaster led to the deaths of 121. This, this is starting. I, I see a pattern here. These are all like pre-union people, obviously. Well, and, um, and, okay, so it, it's like an explosion. Is it because of all the the phosphorus or whatever in there? Like they, it's, it's just poor spark. working conditions because they don't have yeah. to. Okay, give a shit about it. Right, right. So the workers like, at that just... stage are just like parts in a machine. They're not people. Jeez, that's so sad. If no union, then who gives a shit, right? Just get more people. There's all the people lining up outside working for work. Yeah, that's the thing. Make people as replaceable as possible, I guess, right? Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. 121 died. So there's a whole bunch of people in that town thinking, great, now I'm going to get a job. I can support my family. <laughs> you know? It's, that's it's what happens. Darth turn Vader into, syndrome. Yeah. Yeah, it's, like, <laughs> yeah. like, it's easy to move up if you're under Darth Vader because he just keeps going. Exactly. <laughs> like, Lots of motion, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, number seven, the Mather Mine Disaster in 1928, located in Mather, Pennsylvania. Uh, this disaster claimed 195 people. At eight, it seems almost banal now. I'm just keep reading them out. It's like, oh, there's another few hundred, you know. At number eight, it's the Castlegate Mine Disaster, 1924. An explosion in Utah's Castlegate Mine resulted in 171 fatalities. Number nine, Benwood Mine Disaster, 1924, in Benwood, West Virginia, second West Virginia, and led to 119 deaths. Number 10, right in our top 10, is the Hannah Number 5 Mine Disaster, another tragedy in Hannah, Wyoming, resulted in the deaths of 169 which is, again, 169 people too many. And as always in our top 10, we have a bonus. And our bonus is the Consolidation Coal Company number 9 mine disaster from 1943, which occurred in Farmington, West Virginia, 
and led to 33 fatalities and the Sago mine disaster of 2006. Uh, an explosion in Sago, West Virginia, resulted in 12 deaths. And that is our top 10 for this week. And that is a rather tragic and depressing top 10. And we tried to be lighthearted about it, but it was difficult. <laughs> yeah, that's not. Uh, well, we got up to almost a th- like over a thousand then, right? That, oh, that really? was over a thousand people, right? In mine disasters. Yeah. Just solely in mine disasters. In mine disasters. And, wow. and just in the US, because you also have to remember about yeah. this time, you know. You know, these or companies in American also... measuring units, that's one third of an Ang eleven. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. 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 there, there is, you know, these coal companies are also doing mining in, you know, Mexico and, you know, further down, down south. They can south promise there. you they weren't much better in those places, right? Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot more fatalities down there. They weren't taking a special care of Mexicans, unlike now where they love Mexicans. Right. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So something else, to, just to touch on real quick, I don't know if you noticed the first two pictures I used. Uh, which actually were the first two of West Virginia coal miners I found that um, they're not just white people. Uh, mm. That uh, at this time that the uh, and some of these were post union. We'll talk about union here in post a second. Union, okay. Yeah, uh, but the uh, the union uh, didn't have a problem, and they actually kind of you know at the time were yeah. pretty progressive and were like you know yeah you know black folks should have the same rights as whites as far as unions. So meaning none. Pretty yeah. Uh, the guy the right there, the white awesome. guy. Never, a, never get away with that these days. That would be shown if he went for political office and say, look, he did a blackface thing. I was, yeah, I was going to oh. say, like, I was a <laughs> chimney sweep. No, yes, I was, no. Yeah. <laughs> I was in a coal mine, a literal coal mine. Like, yeah, sure, sorry, Jimmy yeah. Campbell, sure. Yeah. Tell it to the oh, judge. Yeah, okay. Culturally appropriating coal mining, you absolute <laughs> scumbag. I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, and so. black people can't have nothing. <laughs> After all that cheer- cheerfulness, uh, yeah. besides facing the possibility of facing death on a daily basis, West Virginia miners also suffered from low pay, long hours, and the exploitation that came from living in what is called a company-owned towns, or otherwise oh, company cool. towns. Yeah. Uh, my, uh, my, that's like the. I'm sorry. That's just like those. Mo- like I swear, like all of the fucking Lifetime movies. Like they always have like this company that rules mm-hmm. over the town. Like yeah. <laughs> that's like the uh, bad guy. We're, we're gonna talk exactly about that now. Oh yeah. my god. Yeah. My, that guy uh, always wears white. He has like a white hat. He looks like John Hammond from Jurassic Park. Like that's who <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, my, uh, miners in John Denver's favorite state were forced to live in company towns uh more than any other mining states uh, in the greater Midwest region. Uh have you ever heard of company towns though? I have heard of them, but I don't know much about them. But I, I imagine, do you remember our Iran episode, um, Operation yeah. Apex? We were discussing the way that the, the the oil company owned the entire, basically the town where these workers lived in terrible conditions. I imagine something yep. like that, is it? Kind of. Okay. So oh, that's, that's, a that's, a company, nice. that's a company town in West Virginia. There's uh, the classic wow. urban planning. Looks uh, like company a town. Sorry, go ahead, Brent. It looks like a cult's like compound. <laughs> yes, you know, it does. Yes, the cult does. is called capitalism. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is a cult, isn't it? Mm. Yes. Uh, a company town is a place where practically all stores uh, and housing are owned by the company that is the main employer. Typically, a company town is isolated from neighbors, centered on a large production factory, mm. uh, and citizens of the town either work in a factory or in small businesses or are family members of someone who does. Company towns often have stores, houses of worship, schools, markets, and recreational facilities. Oh God, their own church. Uh huh. 
Coal Holy companies shit. typically issued wages in a special form of money called script, uh, okay. redeeming only at coal company-owned stores and other company-owned places of business. Sounds fun, right? Wrong. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it sounds like a prison where they give you these little things and you can you can buy it in the prison shop with wildly inflated prices. <laughs> yeah, it's the prison gift shop. That's the prison yeah. gift shop. Yeah, a bar of chocolate, please. It's on the way out. You know, got to store it up my ass for five months. <laughs> Getting away from Barry's ass. Um, let's you talk about women. Ass, um, a whole lot of stuff up there. <laughs> <laughs> when when husbands or sons uh, were injured in mines. Uh, there were no men available to work. Women would receive, uh, well, I'm going to butcher this, Eshra? Esau. 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 Yep. Okay, that's right. Yep. Esau script, uh, which in turn can be used uh, to buy food or other necessities. Mm. The name Esau comes from the story of the book of Genesis from the Old Testament, in which uh, Esau's starving hunter staggers into his younger brother Jacob's tent, Begging for food, Jacob's, uh, Jacob feeds his older brother, but only after forcing Ezra to uh, sign away his birthright. Quick quick Sorry. sidebar. Uh, Jacob is the guy who ended up being called Israel by God because Jacob punched an angel. Secondly, Jacob uh, is frequently depicted in a manner that makes him look like a total asshole in the Bible. But God, <laughs> loved, him. God loved him. Secondly, Esau never does anything wrong. And he's the only he's the only person character, of course, because it's fiction to me. He's the only person in the Bible I'm aware of, and I'm open to correction on this. That's referred to as hated by God. Ooh. Esau's hated by God twice in the Bible, and I don't think God literally hates anybody else except Esau, and it's never explained why, because he's never depicted as doing anything except taking care of his family. And that's a good question. Yeah, I, I I always hated that story because I'm like, you know, and everybody's like, well, yeah, and Esau's the bad one, and I'm just like, why, why, why is he the bad one again? Jacob like, is, he was hungry. Esau was a hunter. He went out and hunted his food for the family. Jacob, in the remarkable, unimprovable phrase from the Bible, I have dwelt within tents, which is just fantastic. He's a reader. <laughs> he's, oh, okay. he's annoyed. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, so yeah, inside tents, man. He's an indoors yeah, type. He stayed of in dude. the tents. Yeah, he dwelt within tents. Don't, don't. That's exactly what I do. It's a deep thinker, you know. It's... Mm, and an absolute <laughs> shitbag. And he's Israel. And he changed into Israel. Struggles with God. Anyway, go on. Sorry. That's all right. Mm. Uh, Isha uh, uh, was Ish. Sorry, Esau. There you go. Esau. Esau uh, was issued only to women. Uh, it was a form of script that uh, would enable a woman to purchase food and her children uh, for her and her children uh, during the time that uh, her husband could not work. That's all right. Esau, yep, Esau was only good for 30 days, though, and if the husband went uh, back to work within those 30 days, then the company would forgive the debt. Hmm. Hmm. And oh. if he could oh, not work... Well, it's not a far. It's 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 like a credit facility. Then it's not uh -huh. they're giving her food. Oh fuck me! Yeah, it, a, a, so you just get it until you can work it off. Oh, uh, and if you couldn't okay. at the end of this, what is this? The Dubai? script had <laughs> became a loan that was due payable within the thirty days. At that oh time, God. most most coal uh, coal miner, uh, coal miners' wives did not hold jobs, of course, but they still had to pay back the loan, hmm. which was collateral loan, and the women themselves. Or the collateral. No. What? I do like like where's where's this yep. go? Is this prostitution? Their physical their physical selves would be used to pay the debt. Is this a prostitution thing? I don't know. Is it prostitution? Doesn't sound like, like prostitution it. to me. 
it sounds like a fucking controlled rape situation, but you know, uh, yeah, the work of West Virginia indentured servitude or something. Yeah, right? I'm like Jesus. Yeah, uh, the work of West Virginia author Michael Klein, one of the first to write exclusively about the Esau system, where the miners' wives forfeited on the Ezra uh, agreements meant uh, submitting to the sexual dependence oh. of the company men, compromising her own integrity in bright right. Birth, sorry, birthright, all uh, for a poke, uh, pork of beans for her children, or a week's rent to keep the roof over her head. That's just wow. a just systematic system of rape. That's an actual yep. rape culture. Yep. Wow. That is, yeah, they're just baking it right into the system. That's yeah. baking it right into the system. That's how you say that. Yeah, so they, there's stories, there's stories where like the teenage daughters are not even teenage because, you know, then like 12 was okay back then, right? You know, the twelve-year-old daughters would just be like sent away to to the mining to the company store, and they were just kept there. And uh, wow. whenever they decided that, uh, yeah, the the debt was paid, and hey, you might get your kid back. Oh my god, that's disgusting! Yep. Holy yep. shit! See why we need unions, y'all. This is, <laughs> this is <laughs> why we need see unions. what happens. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah, for some reason, uh, John Denver never wrote a verse about that. Though. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> he left that. Just did come up in it. I don't know. <laughs> it's actually a secret six. You got to wait till after the last song on the album, and it's like okay. five minutes. Yeah. Oh, you, you play it backwards. That's there you go. Yeah. yeah. Play backwards. Remember see um, John Denver's no, testimony no. to the Senate hearing on censorship? <laughs> no. Al Gore's wife chaired, Tipper Gore. She was in charge of these Senate committee hearings. I remember her being there, Denver. yeah. And uh, Frank Zappa comes on and he's like, I think you should be able to say whatever you want. You know, typical Frank Zappa because he doesn't give a shit and he goes off. And then John Denver comes in, this kind of conservative West Virginia guy, and they're expecting a different response. And he sits down and they ask him, so what do you think about all this? He said, well, no, I agree completely with Mr. Zappa there. One of the greatest moments in U.S. Senate history, you know, it's like, I agree with this for John Denver. Bloody brilliant. He said, I wrote a song called Man, Mountain High and people thought I was talking about drugs, but that mountain is high. That's what I was writing about. You know? It's just fantastic. That's awesome. Yes. yes. That's but he never wrote a verse about the, what the, but basically, oh, it, oh the, the enforced, what would you call that? Enforced breast, no, forced rape. Mm -hmm. Well, how, how would you phrase that? Institutionalized. Institutionalized rape. Yeah. Institutionalized rape. Or toy dance around it, right? That's what you call it. Straight I'm sure this will get more cheerful as time goes on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sex slavery, straight up, like it just sex slavery, like literally sex slavery. Yeah. So now it's time to talk about hopefully better news, maybe. Uh, Things get better so, for the miners, yes. Let's yeah. In 1890, the United Mine Workers uh, was founded. Since Union. the time of coal mines, yep. Yes. Mingo, Mingo County, West Virginia, was surrounding area uh, have hired only non-union workers, right? Uh, workers that became union members would find themselves immediately terminated. As miners in the area lived almost exclusively in company towns, termination also meant eviction. Of course. In, in the 1920, the UMW's new president, John Lewis, planned to change uh, change this by pushing for strong unionization in the area. Yeah. He was under increased pressure to do so by both uh, miners elsewhere participating in the United uh, Miner Work coal strike in uh, 1919 from the affected uh, mine operators who were being undercut by non-union uh, mines in West Virginia. Okay. Mother Jones, who was a badass, uh, 
unfortunately the magazine hasn't held up to her name in recent years but hey <laughs> uh would uh, gave of gave fiery speeches at uh, the age of 83 frank uh, Keeney, uh, president of local union unionization, uh, supported Lewis efforts. Over 3,000 Mingo County miners joined the union and were <gasps> summarily fired. They, they 3, fired 3,000 of them. Mm -hmm. What? In one day. What are they, huh? Trump? Like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Uh, the coal companies then hired agents from the Bald Baldwin Feltz Detective Agency to affect no. families for the former employees so it's time to talk about these sons of bitches damn yeah they're uh, like rent a cops are they yep okay uh the agency was founded in uh, 1890s by william gibbony baldwin got we got to bring that name back gibbony uh, <laughs> it's the baldwin detective <laughs> agency he looks a bit gibbony uh, to me Baldwin, the senior member of the firm, was a native uh, to uh, Virginia. He grew up uh, an avid reader of detective novels, you know, so he was a fan. Uh, he, he worked uh, as a small storekeeper in his early days. Yeah, but wait studied, now. Uh, detective yeah. novels, the heroes solve crimes and murders and things. The right. Don't ev evict people. <laughs> exactly. It's yeah. a different different kind What's, of mystery. Yeah, you don't remember the eviction agency like you don't remember the episode of uh you know Holmes uh fucking chucking people out of their tents and shit because <laughs> they didn't pay the you that is homeless now. <laughs> <Get it out>. <laughs> <laughs> Fresh from Watson. Exactly, yeah. Uh he also studied dentistry, uh, but he left okay. that profession to become a detective. Uh, he began his career in 1884 uh, with the Eureka Detective Agency in Charleston, West Virginia. After founding the Baldwin uh, Detective Agency, uh, he moved to Roanoke, uh, Virginia, where he later met Thomas Lafayette Feltz, another terrible name. Mm. Uh, Feltz was a lawyer in uh, 1900. He joined the detective agency as a partner to provide legal advice. Can't imagine why they would need that. Yeah. Uh, in 1910, the name of the agency was changed to Baldwin Feltz to take the uh, detective agency and its headquarters in Bluefield, West Virginia. Right. Huh. Uh, originally, the company provided investigative services to the railroad for trains, robberies, and other crimes. Oh, okay. So they were detectives. Right. Okay, yeah, I was going to say, like, okay, they yeah. do do detecting, right? Like, that's the thing? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, assumed, assumed the company provided guards for railway, uh, railway and mine payrolls. Company train uh, coal trains and the coal fields. Company became infamous for uh, what they do best: strike busting. Strike busting. Yeah. Yep. So right. yep. these so these guys are kind of like uh, I don't know. A lot more people hear about the Pinkertons, which we're going to do multiple episodes on eventually. Yeah, we have plans because um, there's a lot, lot there. Uh, but these guys were kind of like the uh, I don't even say if if if. The Pickertons were Coke. I wouldn't say these guys were Pepsi. I would say they were kind of like, uh, I don't know. Like I thought you were going to say like, the Pickertons were Coke. These guys are fentanyl. I was thinking like Shasta or something like <laughs> yeah, that. I mean, they're kind of, like the Costco brand, like the Kirkland brand. Kirkland. Okay, okay. I was going to yeah. say RC Cola or something. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. yeah, RC. Let's go with RC. I like that. Because they still yeah, get the I job done. Much respect for Kirkland. Good. Yeah, I, I like RC better. I mean, but you know, I, I like the underground stuff. So that's the cool. underground stuff. <laughs> underground, yeah. I like the main Punk man. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <God damn it. laughs> uh, 
Okay, so now we're gonna go to where our story is gonna take a little turn. Uh, we'll still be in West Virginia, but now we're in Matawan. Uh, Matawan, West Virginia is located in Mingo County. You might remember that from the beginning. I've seen that region. movie before. That's every Western. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah exactly. they got the swinging doors on the saloon. Yeah, yeah. And they uh, shoot. They fall from the top there when they get shot. <laughs> yes. And continues uh, the town was. <laughs> uh, the town was founded in 1895. It was a small independent town uh, with only a few elected officials. Uh, on May 19th, 1920, Lee Feltz, a dozen Baldwin Feltz detectives arrived in Madeline. Uh, they were met by Lee's brother, Albert Feltz. By now, the Baldwin Feltz agency had earned a reputation for using violence against labor. They earned this in part for their actions in the Lolo Massacre in 1914 in Colorado. <laughs> Imagine uh, if like, you were involved in something called the Ludlow Massacre yeah. and you were the one doing the massacring. Yeah, I, I'll and just tell everybody to go Google that one because that's another... On my CV, story. what have you done? Well, I was involved in the Ludlow Massacre. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. Uh, no, 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 I was the guy doing it. <laughs> okay, I didn't get massacred. I was actually on the... Anyway, that's all the... We, we was actually call really it a massacre in the, in the Feltz Corporation, the Baldwin Feltz, we don't call it a massacre. We call it the... Uh, the the what was it the the corporate empowerment uh action there you go <laughs> yeah we call it the bad empire. guys dying that's all we yes. call it bad guys dying the the defense of the law that's what we call it <laughs> yeah <laughs> jesus uh so little, 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 sorry i lost my spot here for a second oh yes, robert had already been in madawan area and had tried to bribe mayor campbell testerman uh with 500 dollars to place uh machine guns on the roof, roofs of the town so, you know, what? nothing, really? no, no plans there, right? He was just going to shoot some squirrels or something. <laughs> okay, yeah. so, so the particular right. Western, it looks like now, is the Wild yeah. Bunch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Testament wasn't down for that, so he told Good. him to fuck off, right? Uh, that afternoon, Albert uh, and uh, Lee, along with 11 other men, sent out uh, to Stone Mountain Coal Company uh, property, and they began evicting people. There's a little cartoon to kind of tell you about that, right? Damn. Yep. Until <laughs> uh, noon Thursday to go back to your homes. Yeah. Uh, the first family they evicted was a woman and her children. The woman's husband was not at home at the time. They were forced. They forced them out at gunpoint, threw their belongings in the road under uh, light uh, but steady rain. A little bit. The miners detail the weather there, but okay. Yeah. I think the way they, they made sure to tell, like, include that it was yeah. raining, please. Can you just yeah, take that? Exactly, you know, yeah. Being outside, <laughs> that, that, it was it raining. It wasn't heavy rain. It was <laughs> yeah. heavy. It's important it's like, to, like, we're not monsters, okay? Yeah, it was that yeah. annoying kind of rain, you know? Yeah, it was <laughs> you know, stupid like rain. Enough to piss you off, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, That's funny. So, yeah. The miners, whoops, I backed up here. Uh, yeah. Sorry, I've stuck in a particip uh, participation. Participation. Uh, the miners uh, who saw this were furious and sent them to town. All right, so now you might have recognized this guy a little bit different than what you saw before. Madawan's police chief at the time was a guy named Sid Hatfield. Okay, you may have heard him somewhere, right? Uh, like ten minutes ago, although I think it's probably longer now. Anyways, uh, <laughs> Sid had grown uh, into a tall, thin, uh, frail-looking. Uh, gentleman with jug ears uh, that gave him an almost boyish appearance. I mean, he's got that charm there, right? Um, he charm. received his he received his nickname Smiling Sid uh, because of gold caps on several of his upper oh. teeth. 
That's what those things are. They're gold caps. Yeah. Oh, okay. That well, that makes him cool then. Black and white. Yeah. He's, he's got some bling. Yeah. He's got some bling in his girl. Basically, Wiz Khalifa. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Smiling Wiz. Sid was known to, to be rough, tough, and nasty. He also That's had a reputation like for yeah, reputation for hard drinking and carrying two guns at all times. His reputation, uh, it was his reputation that led Mayor Campbell, uh, Cornelius Hesterman, to appoint uh, Sid. That's another Cornelius. <laughs> uh, Sid as a yeah, as a, as a as a police chief, uh, police chief at Matawan. So this guy's constantly drunk, hard uh -huh. ass, always carries two guns with him. Yeah, police chief material. That's what the guy yeah. told him. <laughs> right. He's definitely uh, dangerous. I guess that's yeah. What yeah. <laughs> uh, many of the church-going folk at the town did not approve of this rough customer oh, to be shit. police chief. Wonder why, right? Uh, Sid worked hard to clean up his town, and that helped uh, keep the prudes of Matawan, you know, off his back. Uh, Mayor Tessman knew that Sid had a soft spot for the rights of coal miners uh, for his time working in the mines as a team. The mayor had very much wanted somebody to be pro-union on his side, so Sid was the right man for the job. So there you go. Okay. Huh. Uh, as the Baldwin Feltz detectives uh, walked to the thank you uh, walked to the train station to leave town, Sid and a group of deputized miners confronted them and told them that they were under arrest. Albert Feltz replied, uh, "No, sir, you can't do that. In fact, we have a warrant for your arrest." No, I'm going to arrest you. <laughs> Citizens arrest on the arrest. Yeah, yeah. the old warrant switcheroo, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Mayor Testament uh, was alerted, and he ran into the street uh, after a miner shouted that Sid had been arrested. Hatfield backed into uh, the store, and Testament asked to see the warrant. After reviewing it, Mayor Testament explained, "This is a bogus warrant." And with those words, this is just a receipt. <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> and with these words, shit went down, right? Mm. The gunfight erupted. Uh, Chief Hatfield shot the uh, oh. shot agent uh, Albert Feltz. Testerman, uh, together with Albert Lee Feltz, were among 10 men killed. Uh, yeah. Three Madawan residents and seven detectives total. That's a big seven detectives. Yeah. Okay. Well, remember, they're not really detectives. <laughs> right. It yeah. the edge off. Yeah. It's kind. Of, it's kind of like that scene in Reservoir Dogs, right? You know, did you kill anybody? No, just cops. No just real cops. people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just <laughs> people. Uh, this gunfight became known as the Mat One Massacre. Now that's a good massacre. Right? So, uh, it was symbolic uh, significance was enormous for miners. Uh, the seemingly invincible detective uh, agency Baldwin Feltz had been beaten. So it's like you know, yeah, you kill one of your bosses in a video game. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Sid became uh, an immediate legend, hero for, to the unions, a symbol of hope uh, that oppress, uh, the oppression by the coal uh, operatives, their hired guns, would be overthrown. So Sid's a badass right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, June uh, 2nd, 1920, in Huntington, Sid married Jesse Lee Maynard, Jesse who, was the, yep, who was the widow of uh, Mayor Testament. What? Uh huh. You know the guy that just died, right? Oh okay. God. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Many thought this was a bit odd, given this was only eleven days after the gunfight. Uh. Adding to the eyebrow raising was the fact that their uh, wedding was uh, on the morning after the two were arrested in a hotel uh, together and charged with improper relations. 
improper relationship. Okay. Right. Yeah. That's, uh, what's this, one way to say that? Yeah, yeah. this led, led to accusations uh, by one uh, Thomas Feltz of the Baldwin Feltz Agency, right? Uh, Charles Lively, uh, that said, uh, not Albert, had shot the mayor because of his desire for Jesse. So this was actually, you know, some smear that was out there. Mm. Right? Yeah. Married the man who killed her husband and then when he in turn was slain, she went, yeah, I'm already out. That headline is too long. That guy's no idea how to write headlines. Make it snappy. <laughs> it's supposed to, that's why you do the hand thing. It's supposed to be able to fit in between. Yeah. 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 Forget it. It's not doing it. <laughs> Uh, however, according to Jesse, her first husband was aware of the danger of the situation and asked his friend, Sid, uh, to take care of her and her young child, you know, if he was killed. So that's so why kind of, they got together. Approval. So what is it like you saying? I felt bad. Like, yeah, I killed her husband. And then I was like, you know what? <laughs> that was probably, you know, it's probably a bad deal for you, huh? Well, check it out. I got an, an, an opportunity for you. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It sounds fucked up, right? I don't know. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. It's fucked Maybe up. Maybe no heroes <laughs> in this story, right? Infiltrations. <laughs> so during the summer into the fall of 1920, the Union gained strength in Mango County, uh, as did the resistance to cold uh, cooperations. Sporadic shoot shootouts occurred up and down. Sporadic uh, in late uh, June, uh, state police under the command of Captain Brockus, it's another great name, uh, yeah. raided Lick uh, Creek Tent Colony uh, near Williamson. Miners were said to have uh, fired on uh, Brockus and Martin's men from the colony. Uh, in response to the state police, shot and arrested the miners, ripped the, the canvas tents uh, to shreds and scattered mining families and their belongings. Both sides were boistering their arms. Sid continued to fuel resistance specifically by converting uh, Mayor Testerman's uh, jewel store into a gun shop. This so, is basically an insurgency at this stage. Yeah. Uh -huh. Right. Yeah. Uh, and also, what's the guy's name? It was Captain what? Testerman. Brockus. Brockus. Oh, Captain Brockus. That sounds like a punk yeah. band. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> Brock Captain Brockus is cool. Like, I, I would yeah. see those guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, by now, of course, you just said he's just a fucking celebrity. He's the shit, right? Uh, mm. He also appeared in a short film entitled Smiling Sid. I don't know where they came up with that. For the United Mine Workers. Uh, it was photographed with activist uh, Mother Jones. Uh, However, he was aware that his life was in danger from the felts because, you know, you're kind of pissed about the two brothers of the black. Right? Uh, Love it. Love um, it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> January 26, 1991, the trial of Hatfield for killing Albert Feltz began. It was in national spotlight, uh, brought much of attention to minors' causes. Hatfield's stature and mythical status grew as the trial proceeded. Uh, he poised, uh, posed and talked to reporters, fanning Flames of his own legend. Uh, all men were acquitted in the end, uh, but the but overall the union was facing significant setbacks. Eighty percent of miners had re, uh, mines had reopened with imported replacements and ex strikers wow. signed yellow dog contracts. So, I don't know if you guys know what that means, but in uh, yellow dog contracts for those donors, employees agreed to a conditioned uh, employment, uh, not to be a member of a labor union. So. Yeah, that's yeah, a current it. thing in lots of companies, isn't it? Uh-huh. They said they imported, yeah. they imported uh, labor as well. So I guess that's 
kind of yeah. they do that. Nothing we're talking days, about has that. any implications about what's going on today. Really. <laughs> oh, okay. That is completely removed. Yeah, this is just this is world. history. Yeah. <laughs> In the past, we better now. We're, we learned. Yeah. We moved on. Yeah, we fixed it. You know, we fixed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we fixed it. In mid May 1921, Union members launched a full scale assault on non Union miners. In a short time, the conflict uh, had consumed the entire Tug Valley, sorry, Tug River Valley. Uh, this was known as the Three Day Battle, uh, was finally ended by flag truce and implementation of martial law, which is always good. Uh, from the beginning, uh, the miners perceived the enforcement of martial law as one sided. Hundreds of miners were arrested. The smallest infractions uh, could mean imprisonment. Uh, while those on the side of law and order seemed to mean miners responded with guerrilla tactics and sabotage. <laughs> oh, I mean, and you know, as someone who is like, I typically don't like violence, um, you know, but when it comes to like stuff like this, I'm kind of like, why isn't there violence? <laughs> you know what right? I mean? Like, yeah. what, why did we stop doing that? Like, you know, we're just like, no, can we just be a little inconvenient? Let's just stand yes. on the road mm -hmm. and they'll have to drive around us, you know? And that's it. That's what we used to fight fucking battles for multiple days, you know, for yeah. the rights of for people. Rights. That, yeah, you know, I don't know. Part, part, of, you know, of course, I'm not. I don't try to promote uh, violence or anything, but it's just like it almost is refreshing to hear that that was something that happened. You know, like well, God, hashtag is just as powerful, Brent. I don't understand what you're talking about. Man. <laughs> Sometimes you have to throw a stick of dynamite at somebody. What are you gonna do? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> got to. You know. Uh, According to this time, uh, or sorry, according, around, I can't remember, uh, right here. around this time, uh, Sid traveled to McDowell County uh, August 1st, uh, 1921, to stand trial for charges of dy dynamiting a coal tipple, which is like one of those things that feed the, the trains, right? Drops oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, at the assurance of the McDowell County Sheriff, uh, W.J. Bill Hatfield, a distant relative of Sid, uh, him and his buddy and Chambers were told that they were safe and have the fullest protection of the sheriff's office whenever they arrived. Right. However, gonna die the, the day before the trial, Sheriff Hatfield left the county for Craig's Healing Spring in Virginia for whatever reason. On a holiday. Right? Hmm. Yeah, that's a good okay. sign. Uh, both, both men arrived in Welch uh, uh, in August 1st, uh, 1921, accompanied by their wives. As they walked up to the courthouse steps, uh, unarmed, a group of Baltzfeld agents standing at the top of the stairs opened fire. Hatfield was killed instantly. Chambers was bullet-ridden and rolled to the bottom of the stairs. Despite Sally Chambers' protest, one of the agents ran down, to the, uh, ran down the stairs and shot Chambers once more, point blank, in the back of the head. Jeez. Okay. Yep. He's not uh, coming back in the sequel. That's, no, no, that's no. It. They're gonna have to pull yeah. him out of a multiverse type of situation because that's just yeah. he is gonna oh, pretty well in the morning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hatfields and uh, Chambers' bodies were returned to Madawan, uh, wounded the slaying throughout the mountains, uh, spread like wildfire, right? So people were not mm. happy. Oh, shit. so yeah, damn, yeah. So now let's introduce another character of this already, you know, complex story. Uh, let's talk about a guy named Don Chafin. Don uh, Chafin served as sheriff of Logan County uh, during West Virginia Mine Wars. Uh, he was often called the Czar of Logan. Uh, Chafin's uh, notoriety among the miners of West Virginia was widespread. Don Chafin, I love it's Don, but Don Chafin. 
I, I know it keeps making me think that like he's got an, uh, a rash under his underwear or something. He's done, he's done chafing. Dude. Like he's. That's all I can think. Uh, he is a rash, right? Yeah. He succeeded his he succeeded his father after winning the county sheriff election in 1912 uh, because of his state preventing him from serving two consecutive terms in office. Shaven served as county clerk from. Uh, 1916 to 1919 before being elected again in 1920. So I love oh, that. Uh, yep. Uh, in Logan County, the operatives relied on Chafin uh, and his deputies to use intimidation, violence to prevent uh, the UMW from unionizing their workers. Chafin stationed his deputies at various mines and on trains going in and out of Logan County searching for any form of labor organization activity. Chafin was well paid by the Logan Cooperative Association as he maintained a reign of terror over miners of Logan County. It became a civil of the repression of coal miners facing West Virginia. So good fucking dude, right? Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, the assassination of uh, Hatfield and Chambers, because that's what it fucking was, outraged miners. Within days, thousands of Union supporters had flocked to the outskirts. Uh, Manuet, uh, or, sorry, Marmot different town, a uh, town located near the capital of Charleston, led by UMW organizers Frank Keeney and Fred Mooney, both with Irish uh, heritage, by the way. They're yep. very, they decided uh, to march on Mingo County to confront the coal miners or coal companies and free the Union men uh, imprisoned in the area. Many of the marchers were W1, sorry, WW1 vets. So they came armed to the teeth with Wait, military no, the issued Springfield. The guys who were who, uh, who were imprisoned under martial law for for doing like uh, yeah. very minor stuff. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Minor. <laughs> minor. <Yeah. laughs> doing small scale. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Breaches. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. So these guys were all WW1 veterans, and uh, they came armed to the teeth with military issued Springfield rifles and shotguns. Um, Quote, it is time to lay down the Bible and take up the rifle. Minor and Baptist Reverend John Wilburn declared. You don't fucking hear that, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not for yeah. unions, anyway. We do hear it a right. lot for other stuff, but that's... Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Mostly for gay people, but like, yeah. Yeah. But... <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, okay, here's here boys go. now. The miners' route to Mingo required them to pass through Logan County. Upon learning the march, uh, Sheriff Chafin, that decade we talked about a minute ago, scrapped together 3,000 strong army, uh, strong army, state police, uh, a great deputies, citizen, militiamen, and prepared to fight. Uh, no armed mob will cross Logan County line, he proclaimed, and his supporters had soon constructed a network of machine, uh, machine gun nests and trenches around Blair Mountain. A 2,000 foot peak that stood directly in the, the mine. That's where they're mountains. making the stand. Yep. So they got to go up this fucking mountain to, to get there. Okay. So, uh, August 24th, the main body of coal miners set out from Marmots headed south. August 24th? This whole thing happened in three days. Uh, yeah, looks like it. Oh, wow. Wow. Well, he was killed on the first, so like 24 days. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Give or take. That's still pretty fucking fast, right? Oh, August 1. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the main body of... Uh, so, yeah, they, they left Marmot, southward Mingo. Uh, mm. Keeney and Mooney made a last-minute attempt to call off the march after a meeting 
with uh, the War Department's General Harry Van Holzik, uh, who warned that any violence would prove disastrous for the Union, but the proposed ceasefire collapsed when two miners died in a skirmish with Chafin's forces. So they were they're ambushed. Uh, mm. By August uh, 28, some 10,000 men oh my God. Had, had amassed near the border of Logan County and begun trading fire with company supporters. Now, to distinguish one another from uh, in the dense forest, uh, many of these miners uh, did a practice where they tied handkerchiefs around their neck that were red. They were soon known as the Redneck Army. Yeah. Boom, bitches. That's where oh. redneck comes from. No shit. Oh, yeah. that's wild. I was told a different yeah. etymology. I was told a different yeah. explanation for that. Yeah, so was I. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. okay. That's where it first came from. Yeah. Unions. Wow. Yep. That's oh. funny. Holy yeah. shit. It's like yeah. the exact opposite. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's the exact opposite. Yeah. Yeah. The first heavy fighting in the Battle of Blair Mountain occurred. Uh, August 31st, uh, around 75 miners led uh, by Army God, <laughs> God Bad Mofo, Reverend Wilbert, uh, stumbled across the same guys that dropped the Bible, pick up the gun, right? Yeah. Oh, right. Uh, stumbled across uh, Chafin's uh, Logan Defenders, I love these names, on a uh, wooded ridge. Each side attacked uh, the other, or sorry, each side asked the other for a password uh, and received the wrong answer. So. I guess that was a thing that they did. They did like um, the He-Man Woman Haters Club thing. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> what's the password? I'm in the treehouse. Okay, the password is Shibboleth. Shibboleth? No, no, Shibboleth. <laughs> Mispronounced it. You're out. You're out. Yeah. Uh, this this prompted a shootout uh, that killed three deputies and one miner. Uh, the same day, the main army of miners uh, commenced on. To prong, uh, commence a two-pronged assault on Chafin's trenches and fortifications. Loads of Union men uh, streamed up the mountains, uh, but despite their superior numbers, they were driven back by the defenders, uh, who, like Obi-Wan Kenobi, riddled them with machine gun from a high ground. Ah, oh, the high ground. So, yeah, high ground. Yeah. Uh, on September 1st, a group of Union men assaulted a uh, spot called Craddock Fork, uh, with a Gatlin gun looted from the coal company store. <laughs> Fuck you, script bitches, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Lo Lo Logan, forced, uh, Logan forces fought back with a machine gun of their own. After three hours of heavy fire, the weapon jammed. The miners surged forward and briefly broke the defense's line, only to be repulsed again uh, by a stream of bullets from a second machine gun nest uh, oh, located yeah. further up the ridge. For the rest of the day, the hills and hollows echoed with gunfire and Union men are repeatedly being attacked, uh, attacking the defending lines. Machine guns cracked, quote, machine guns cracked up uh, there so you would think that the whole place was coming down on you, uh, in quote by Myra Ira Wilson, uh, later recalled. But the Union guys would be heavily outgunned, wouldn't they? No matter how many of them there were. Oh, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, Sheriff Chafin uh, decided to, to step things up a notch, right? Oh, he right. decided to escalate things. So he charted three private biplanes and equipped them with tear gas and pipe bombs uh, made with nuts, bolts, and, and for shrapnel. This is sounding so, more and more like the IDF. 
Yeah. I, right. <laughs> I was like, damn, okay, so now they're dropping bombs yep. on your workers that you're just like, yep. hey, can we have like some decent conditions or at least have yep. some negotiating power here <laughs> at all? Is there and not like, like yeah, a law against bombing bombs. Americans <laughs> yeah. in America? Jesus. You have a platoon? I got an Air Force, bitches. Yeah. Yeah. Three planes full wow. of tear yeah. gas and pipe bombs. Yep. Wow. Uh, planes, planes dropped homemade explosives for uh, for over two of the uh, two of the minor strongholds, but failed to inflict any casualties. So it could, oh. could have been a lot worse, right? Just yeah. go. Uh, it's hard to aim when you're dropping pipe bombs from a biplane. You know, but you need somewhere like Gaza, which is extremely concentrated population. That's yeah, that's yeah. what you need everybody to be just standing in one spot mm. and then just yeah. throw a bomb somewhere and you're gonna kill like a few kids. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, uh, also around this day, a squadron of uh air army service reconnaissance planes began patrolling the skies. Uh, and the following day, General uh Van Holtz, the guy from the War Department, right, had oh, mobilized good. some 2100 army troops. Good, the army's coming in, fantastic. Yep, orders. Uh, President uh, G, who liked to fuck a lot, Harding. Uh, okay. Federal tr oh, guy did, man. He, he used to plow his mistresses in the, in the broom closet and shit at the White House. Guy's a fuck machine. Mm. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, uh, I know that. Uh, yeah, okay. yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, federal troops arrived uh, okay. by September 2nd. Uh, so, I believe this headline. Right? Well, that's all right, isn't it? Oh, fleet order to West Virginia. Yeah, good. Uh, the miners, uh, the miners, many of whom were veterans themselves, were unwilling to fire on U.S. troops. What do you mean, fire on the uh, U.S. troops? These well, are the U.S. troops that were sent to help them, wasn't it? No, they came there to break it the fuck up. They were yeah. sent to back up Chafin. Uh huh. No, take it over. The U.S. troops. It. I was like, what? Really? Yeah. I thought, yep. If you said, oh if you come me, on, like, no. If you told me that yeah. story and you said the U.S. troops were sent in, I would assume they're going to defend the miners. That's what I would have thought too. <laughs> the other crowd, what the no, they're, going, they're going with the power, <laughs> you know. Like, who's got more power in this situation? Okay, they're, they're the good guys. When has the government ever been on the side of labor? You know. Yeah. Like, seriously. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the miners, many of whom, yeah, I said that, right? They didn't want to shoot on their fellow comrades. Uh, Bill Buzzard uh, passed word uh, to the miners to start heading home the following day. Oh, scattered so fighting continued between the miners and Lo and the Logan defenders. Uh, until September fourth, most uh, but most of the men welcomed the government intervention and laid down their weapons. Roughly a thousand exhausted miners eventually surrendered to the army, while the rest scattered and returned home. Miners fear, uh, fearing jail and confiscation of their guns found clever ways to hide rifles, handguns in the woods uh, before leaving Logan County. Uh, some were found later, uh, along with many spent and live cartridges. Uh, which helped archaeological uh, uh, finds reconstruct the course of the fighting. Mm. I, I don't know uh, why I'm like picturing them like going into the forest and like pushing a button on the tree and it's like, <laughs> <laughs> like all the guns come out like men in black or something. <laughs> it was later estimated that some 1 million rounds uh, had been fired during the battle. That's a lot of rounds. That's fucking crazy. That's what it was only like you know, a handful of days too, right? Uh, so reports money there, the bullet yeah. company. Yeah. Uh, despite all those rounds, right? Report, uh, mm. Reports of casualties were, uh, ranged from as few as 20 to as many as 100. So, oh, okay. I mean, That's a small number, yeah. Yeah. I guess a lot of trees uh, that, metal that day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the actual number, you know, you 
can never really confirm. So okay. Uh, after the battle, uh, battle, 985 miners were indicted for murder, conspiracy to commit murder, accessory to murder, and treason against the state of West Virginia. How is that treason? Oh, because they, they did state forces. They fired on the state uh -huh. forces. Okay. Uh -huh. Uh, well, though the majority yeah. dead, well, that's crazy. Dead. <laughs> yeah. uh, though the majority were acquitted by sympathetic juries, uh, others were imprisoned up to uh, four years, uh, with the last being paroled in 1925. At Blizzard trial, uh, the unexploded bomb was used. Uh, one of the bombs, right, to drop out the plane. Yeah. It was used as evidence of the government's and the company's brutality. He was then acquitted. <laughs> this yeah, image, so like said, you said, the unexploded bomb was used as evidence. It's like, imagine yeah. an exhibit two, Jews, <laughs> unexploded bomb. Look, wait, is that so? No, no. <laughs> uh, after the oh, we need a new jury now. This is the jury. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, now they're in the mountains. God, I got a boy to hear this again. <laughs> uh, after the uh, battle, Chafin uh, went back to his normal work at, uh, as a sheriff in Logan County. I believe his, his position uh, was unsustainable because of, you know, all the bullshit. Uh, the number of illegal ventures uh, he decided to get into, including moonshining. Oh. Uh, uh, yep. He also yeah, became yeah. Uh, an increasingly important uh, within the West Virginia Democratic Party. Didn't see that coming, right? Uh, due to his uh, celebrity status after the battle. Oh, no. We should stop again. Every so often this happens on our <laughs> podcast. We should explain that the Democratic Party before the 1960s, the Democratic and the Republicans will be switched. Like uh, Because right. of Nixon's right. Southern strategy, he kind of flipped the entire thing. Right. Uh, so when they say Democratic, anytime in the 1920s, they would be what you would currently understand as Republicans. Conservative, yeah. Because they were like the states' rights people and stuff mm. like that, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but Democrats today don't do anything bad at all. They're, they're no, they're no, about suspicion and reproach. Scouts honor, like they are just the, you know. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he would frequently uh, be present at the state capitol and attempted uh, attempted attended the uh, DNC uh, convention in twenty four as a member of the delegation. Uh, yeah. Did. yeah. So yeah, I guess yeah, he was changed pretty much above. Yeah. Like nobody tried to kill him on the way or anything. <laughs> yeah, no. uh, a few months later, uh, though, Chafin was arrested. Arrested, okay. One of his deputies, uh, a tennis Hatfield, believe it or not, uh, was arrested for violation of the Volstead Act because he you was know, during prohibition. Uh, and implicated Chafin. Sorry? What did the Volstead Act do? That during prohibition, you couldn't, uh, you know, booze. Oh, okay. Oh, Thank you. Got it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so Hatfield implicated Chafin at trial. Chafin was tried in conviction of the Volstead Act uh, uh, on October 14, 1924. He was given a maximum sentence of two years in order to pay a fine of $10,000. Uh, following his parole, uh, he moved to Charleston. No, no, oh, no I'm sorry. No, two years. No, no, no. Uh, you have to pay the $10,000 now or we will take yeah. it out of your body. <laughs> right? <laughs> Let me tell you, your yeah. tiny oh, little right. ass, Chafin, is not going to go a long way for $10,000. You're going to be busy. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> With a name like Chafin, he might have a pound. Yeah, I was just going to say. <laughs> How did I miss that in that speech? Uh, yeah. So, after his parole, uh, he was still an influence in the Democratic Party, uh, lobbying for coal mining companies. No shit, he was. Yeah. Uh, but he suffered a, uh, suffered several heart attacks uh, later yeah. in his life. Eventually died August 9th, 
1954 in a hospital after a surgical procedure. So, you know, this had several heart attacks on his way out. Fucker. Mm, good. Uh, Baldwin later, uh, Baldwin, you know, from Feltz, Baldwin yes. Feltz uh, later serves as a president uh, and member of the board directors for several banks. Shocking. Feltz uh, was later elected to two terms of Virginia State Senator. Also shocking. <laughs> uh, Baldwin died in 36 at 75. Uh, Feltz died a year later at the age of 69. And in 1937, four months before his death, Feltz formally dissolved the Baldwin Feltz uh, detective agency by then, strike-breaking work had declined. Uh, state and federal legislature outlawing the use of private works, uh, private detectives for the purpose of spying and harassing uh, workers. Don't worry, I assure you, we're bringing that back. Good, good. Uh, along with uh, shifting public opinion, had uh, made such detectives less useful to management and labor disputes. After the agency closed its doors, many of the company files were destroyed or lost. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right. Uh, the largest exactly. collections of these uh, were housed in the eastern region of coal archives. So, wonder what all those files actually were, right? Right. Uh, as for the uh, Battle of Blair Mountain, it is now cited as a pivotal chapter in American labor history. Uh, but in short term, it proved to be a crushing defeat for the miners. The state of West Virginia charged Keeney and Mooney and some of the 20 Union men with treason. We already kind of talked about that, right? So, um, nearly all, all were later acquitted, uh, but the, those legal battles emptied the coffers of the UMWAs. Uh, so pretty much hindered any you you get out, you know organization and unionizing going forward. So by the end of the decade, uh, only a few hundred miners in West Virginia were still members. Mm. The union wouldn't reclaim the coal fields until the mid 1930s because of the Great Depression when workers' rights and organized. Uh, were enshrined in the New Deal, New Deal legislation, such as the National Industrial Revolution Recovery Act, which How about that? Um, the, this, this particular you know event was heavily cited by those they used to pass that. So it did have a positive impact, you know, later down the road. That's good. So it's just, it's you feel so bad because like okay, so this is all before the depression. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Yes, oh, man. Oh, this this is before yeah. the grapes of wrath. Right. This is the good oh. times before the grapes of wrath. Okay. Yeah. And then when was the plague? Like, was this so <laughs> yeah. Yeah. like these people look haunted. Yeah. The worst time to exist. Yeah. Like, holy yeah. shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, look, the, look the little kid there. The young. I mean, he's a small kid. You know, that's our thing. Child yeah. labor. We're bringing that back now too. So, like, all they want to do is go to the coal mines and work. And could yeah. you not fuck my wife, please? Is that possible? Yeah. Can you Just not? Just because I got injured, you know. Yeah, we're talking thousands of people dead because of conditions that y'all don't give a fuck about. And, yeah. yeah, and it was and all then, like completely reasonable stuff they're asking for. Right, yeah, yeah this is crazy. Like, do you want the job to get done or not? Like, I feel like this is crazy, you know? And it, and this type of mentality still is is permeated like today. Like, oh, you yeah. hear people be like, oh, yeah, and the unions make it so that you can't fire people. And I'm like, dude, why, why do you think that's a bad thing? Like, honestly, if you never had a bad day, and like you think that they should just be able to like say fuck you forever because you had a bad day, even though you worked there for 10, 15 years, whatever. Like that's I it's saw a, a training video for Amazon once and the Amazon training video for Amazon people working at Amazon.com warehouses. Oh. They just had a little thing and it said, um, oh, don't join a union because then you're we'll we'll be able you 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 you'll be prevented from dealing with us personally. 
but we can do deals with you personally. You can talk to us directly and you don't need a union. They're just going to take your money and do yeah. a collective thing that'll, that'll kind of, I guess they're trying to say that they'll be tied down to a certain set of things that they might not want. And the way they were selling it, like, I don't know. Just join like, a union, you're huh? make, Yeah, you're, you guys are making it so you can't come to us and talk to us and we yeah. can't solve your problems for you because yeah. the union is causing union. Yes. Which, it, you know, it's been proven. I think it was with, uh, I'm trying to remember what the example was, but it was, I want to say an Applebee's or, or something like that. And they did this test where they were like, here's all the, the Applebee's. Uh, what's it, it was like a diner. I can't remember which one, but, uh, or IHOP. That's what it was. IHOP. Okay. And they, they did a test. They started unionizing and they had a couple stores uh, that did end up getting unionized. Cause you know, they, they, they have that legal thing where they're like, Oh no, you can only do one store at a time kind of shit yeah. and slow it down. Uh, well, they, uh, they did a couple stores and then they found that those stores that were unionized uh, actually performed like almost like way better than the other. So because the the employees aren't starving the whole time, you know, because like they're it, it's hard to think straight when you're when you're super hungry. And then the extra money that the employees had, they usually spent it at the at that restaurant anyway, because they were yeah. they're already there, you know. Right. So a lot of that money went right back into the company anyway. So it's just so that they had better service, better uh, conditions for the people, which makes for better work. <laughs> you know, they yeah. Can, I would imagine if you take care of your workers, that it would help productivity. But that's absolutely. Just as a well, general thing, obviously, you know? union would be forming at the International House of Pancakes. Right, mm -hmm. that's true. Yeah, it is international. Yeah, so yeah the Jewish right House. That's what they're trying to say there, isn't it? <laughs> yes. The Global House of Pancakes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll have your finest unleavened pancake, please. <laughs> that's right. Mm. <laughs> I know what's going on there. You don't got to tell me. Unions, is it? That sounds like a Karl uh, Marx thing. Right. It's Karl Marx was Jewish. He was German. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're not allowed to be Jews. <laughs> like 1936. <laughs> but that's that, that's my uh, story sure. there, folks. So, uh, well, it's not, it's not, uh, one more, still one more thing, though, Barry. Uh, oh, yeah. What's in the news? What's the what? What's in the news, is it? Sorry, it's what's new, not what's in the news. It doesn't matter. Still, still working at the kinks no. of this podcast. Okay, we'll be yeah. fine. Don't worry. Episode um, yeah. twenty-three. No hurry. You know. So this is twenty. So this is twenty-three. Yeah, this is a uh, part of the show where uh, myself and Seamus. I put uh, CIA into Google, and Seamus puts FBI into Google. We both hit news tab, and we see what's going on this week oh, <laughs> in the so crazy smart. world of the FBI and the CIA. And we do this oh, every week. Awesome. And uh, Seamus, do you have something for FBI? Uh, I have two. Um, oh, by the way, I haven't seen I haven't seen what Seamus is going to do, and I've seen the script to this. I've seen the op the first draft script of the this podcast, but I didn't see the final script, and I haven't seen any of Seamus's links, and he hasn't seen any of yeah. mine, so he's going to get surprised his life. I only have yeah. two uh, questions and worries fly after Florida journalist home raided by FBI for <gasps> Kanye West video. Or, I'm sorry. Okay. Even, another even another Mad Libs headline. Yeah. What? Wait, Give hold on. The on that. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> uh, apparently, okay, I'll just read the first couple things here. Yeah. In May 20, uh, 2023, the, February, uh, the, the FBI raided the home of Florida journalists who published an unedited Fox News video of rapper Yee, so that they got it right there, yeah. formerly known as Kanye West, uh, yeah. making uh, anti-Semitic uh, Semitic comments. Oh, okay. Uh, not Kanye. Uh, now, a, a multitude of press and civil rights organizations are calling for more 
transparency uh, for the federal government about the reasons for this raid. So, so a journalist so, just put a video up of Kanye doing anti-Semitic things, uh -huh. and the the FBI raided that journalist's house as a result. Yeah. I don't see the connection between those two things. Uh, I, I, yeah, like if you I'm wanted not... to arrest him or something, you'd just send him a writ, wouldn't you, in the post? Does Kanye got buddies in the, uh, the FBI? FBI? <laughs> like, hey guys, can you fucking just get this asshole? I'll tell you, okay. I already have a yeah. supposition, and that's that Kanye's favorite restaurant is IHOP. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> right there, you go. Thanks. Yeah. All right. Connected. What else have we got, Seamus? Uh, so this is uh, why the U.S. Supreme Court should hear a Muslim man on no-fly list uh, sue the FBI. So oh. apparently, this gentleman is suing the FBI for having him on the fly list. So. Which, you know that that well, was another thing that, that came out sense. from the yeah. the David Hale episode because that's one thing that he was able to produce and the leaks yeah. that he uh, put out there was the no fly list because a lot of people mm -hmm. didn't even know they were on a no fly list until you yeah. go to the airport. It came from the countries, yeah. Oh, yeah, shit. you can like, literally the went through that night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he put it out there because like there's a story for Americans. Uh, you know, a, fam know a family that was trying to get on a plane and their four year old was on the no fly list. Yeah. It's four year old, that, yeah, because they had the same name as some radical or something. Was oh, there was a lot of um, yeah. there was a lot of pro Americans, like guys who'd worked with the occupation for the Americans who were yeah. Muslims, and they were coming back on planes and they got stopped because it was just saying planes from these countries. But the night that happened, I remember because I was watching it live unfold. Teams of pro bono lawyers, do you remember that? Hundreds of them descended on the airports in JFK and Chicago and San Francisco where all these planes were coming in and they went in and you could see them there's this it's on YouTube you can see them flipping through hundreds and hundreds of pages of writs and things to try and get those planes in also like a scene out of Wall Street yes also, <laughs> citizens regular Shaking citizens paper. flocked down to the airports in New York and started screaming in the windows saying refugees are welcome here refugees are welcome here and it was the most wonderful thing because it's easy to look at like in Europe you look at Americans and say my god they're Egypt's what are they doing you know but then you get to see these wonderful things. Those people got up on a cold day and went down to that airport just to shout abuse at that stupid fucking law that said you shouldn't yeah. let the airplanes land. Oh, yeah. They're good people. And they just Never started singing their that. hippie songs, you know, in the window to make sure that the Muslims realized they weren't alone, you know. Those Muslims were at oh. the airport already and they were going to be deported. And they had teams of lawyers doing pro bono for them, going in and out of the little doors saying we have to hang on to these people. Damn, that's you awesome. Know? Like the chance of a Muslim on an airplane going to America being a terrorist, like... Fairly slim. <laughs> I mean, I mean, come on. I, that's of, of all the demographics, um, that would be the one that you wouldn't, you know, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like this Muslims is protecting for this. Though, yeah. <laughs> it's like, when, you, when you hear like there's there's kind of because of, I don't know what's causing it, but some people hear the word Muslim and they get scared just from the word. Like I, I was talking to somebody about media sources on Twitter and I said, oh, good. Or Reddit, I mean. And I said, a good source for news on this is Al Jazeera, you know, and they started reacting to the, like the Al Jazeera. Oh, yeah. You think that's a good news source? I said, yeah, I understand Barry, that it's got an ad in it, and that's scary. Barry, Barry. right. 9-11. <laughs> yeah, 9-11. Al Jazeera is a great news source. Al Jazeera just means the islands in Arabic. It just means, oh. or the island, singular, island. But, but you had all the fucking talking but, heads like Sean Hannity and Glenn Beck who smeared out Al Jazeera and just, you yes. know, Muslims in general. So anytime yeah. anything was brought up, you know. Muslims, like, yeah. You should be scared of bloody weapons. It's, but Satan's coming for it, sir. Yeah. Right. It, but it's like a legitimate, legitimate news source, though, right? Yeah. Like it's, Al Jazeera is fantastic. Crazy. Al just means, by the way, if you're scared of Al, if you see Al in anything, Al in Arabic just means there. That's it. That's all it means. There. Whenever you see Al in something, it just means there, right? Oh. Al Qaeda means the foundation, the basis. Al, it's like Al. 
the yeah. Nino. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Al Nino means the Nino in Arabic, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, so, Algeria means the the islands, plural. Al Jazeera is one island, and Algeria is lots of islands. So. Oh, Al means there. That's uh, awesome. So that's not scary, okay. is it? The word yeah. there. So that's all I got for FBI, Barry. So. Oh bloody hell! I'm up. Sorry. Yeah, I got sorry. lost in the Arabic. You can tell us about the Ar Arabic here. Okay, what have I got here? Okay. Um, I have a headline. My stuff is CIA stuff, apparently. Oh, um, I'm sorry. Oh, I, I, headline I, I, is. I mispronounced it. My bad. Was... Kaya. <laughs> <laughs> I did it phonetically. Cha. Yeah. The fun. Ex Cha head Petraeus weighs risk of growing Gaza conflict. Brilliant. Um, Washington bureau chief in his poll spoke with retired U.S. Army general and former CIA director David Petraeus about the future of Gaza and Israel's military operation against Hamas which has been Hamas just means um, enthusiasm or zeal. That's what that means, which has been des designated a terrorist organization by the EU and the ES and the, and, the, and the US. And of course, the joke I always um, tell to Seamus when I read out these particular headlines is whenever it comes to Israel and Palestine and so on, everybody is invited to the meetings except the Palestinians. So right now we have a meeting between former CIA director and a, and, uh, a Washington bureau chief about the future of Israel. Everybody's invited except the people who are involved in it, right? Um, another headline is the Sisterhood Review. Ex-spy Valerie Plame on women CIA agents or Shah agents, I guess. Um, you will remember Valerie Plame, I assume, mm -hmm. who got outed in a in a secret operation. Oh, I'll, I'll do a show about that. Um, in 2003, senior White House officials outed me. She means Valerie Plame wrote this. Outed me as a covert Shah agent. They leaked my identity after my then husband, U.S. Ambassador Joe Wilson, wrote an op-ed stating that George W. Bush administration lied about the threat posed by Iraq ahead of its decision to invade the country. It's another bit of a Mad Libs sentence. I've spent a lot of time in the decades since processing the trauma of that experience. It endangered my assets. CIA uses the word assets to mean people in the field, field agents. Ended my covert career and unsettled my family. So that's interesting, I guess, if you want to read her account of what happened to her. She got fucked, basically. Um, but she is a CIA operative, so also she was presumably doing some fucking of her own. But you'll see that in the story. Um, another last one I have is former CIA director, optimistic US has good intelligence to mitigate Houthi dangers. Uh, in this May 23, 2017 file photo, former CIA director John Brennan testifies on Capitol Hill before the House Intelligence. That's just a description of the photo. I don't know why I read that out. Here's the story. Former CIA director John Brennan said Thursday that he is optimistic the U.S. has good intelligence that can mitigate dangers from Houthi rebels. Houthi rebels are the rebels in uh, Yemen, oh, okay. uh, which is a currently okay. active hot zone of combat between the Saudis and uh, Yemen. This is the West-backed Saudis, funnily enough, and the uh, Yemen rebels, which is claiming the lives of everybody, famine, horrible place. Uh, but they're fighting. So, um, oh, but nothing to do with blowfish or anything like that. I got it. I, uh, no. I, I, you know, it's going a completely different direction. With that. <laughs> yeah. Hootie, Hootie and the blowfish, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do think the US, along with the UK and other actors, are going to take actions to mitigate the potential dangers that the Hooties pose, like they're the problem, but not the Saudis. And I do think we have good oh. intelligence about where there's some of these Hootie weapons. Uh, now I'm saying Hootie, because you put it. Some of these Hootie weapon systems are located. So that's a very interesting article there. If you want to read about it's called it's on the hill.com and it says former CI director optimistic about Houthi dangers. That's it. That's all I got. Wow. Awesome. That's why is that our show? That is us for two weeks. So it'll be a CIA episode. Do you have anything? I will be writing the CIA episode. I've, I've, I cannot guarantee any subject matter right now. I might end up doing the Valerie Blame thing. I don't know. Okay. Right. We'll see. I have options. Well, any requests, uh, Brent on uh, Brentley? 
for uh, CIA related stories there for Barry to write? I think you'd like to see me to write uh, up. I, I don't. I, you know, I, I'm just. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have to start doing this Google thing because that actually sounds. Really <laughs> okay. I, it never comes up in my feed. You know, it's. Oh, I understand. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, you do yeah. like evangelical uh, feed, videos and yeah. so on. Yeah, cool. Yeah, it's it's exactly. It's mostly like this church person was bad. And you know, here's all right, Brentley. Tell us how to find your stuff and what we should do to get at you. Uh, so if you go to uh, it's uh, youtube.com forward slash at punk apostate, and that's like the main that's kind of the main thing I'm working on right now. It's just the YouTube channel. Oh, okay, cool, uh, good for you. Figure out and you watch evangelical videos and you make fun of them. Yes, yeah, well, that's an endless treasure trove of chuckles. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. Yeah, it's just okay. it, it. Yeah, it. The comedy just is. It's <laughs> you can't get to to the the end of it. It's just everywhere. Okay, I love it. Yeah, good so. for you. <laughs> With the uh, the infusion of uh, Christian nationalism, or I'm sorry, I probably should emphasize white Christian nationalism too. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think you're doing something important there. You know, just saying. Oh, oh <laughs> thanks. Yeah, it's it's a good time to be talking about that. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. I try to have um, Elliot uh, or Secular Rarity from uh, the Atheist Experience on. He like comes on. I want to say oh. like once every couple of months, and we do like a deep dive into uh, something Christian nationalist. Oh, nice. That's a lot of cool. Fun. When's uh when when does your show usually air for those adults? Oh, it's uh, almost every day. <laughs> uh, okay. of, I, I've been you know past couple of weeks have been on vacation, so I haven't done as much. But typically every morning. Yeah, we're we're every two weeks. Yeah, so that's oh, wow. where, yeah, yeah. Mm. That's yeah I try to. I, I'll I'll either go live or I'll put up a pre-recorded almost every day. So nice. almost, uh, like Monday through Friday at least. <laughs> Good for you, man. Yeah. All right, folks. So do check out uh, uh, Punk Apostate, Brentley, and all this awesome work. Thanks again for coming on here, man. We'll see all everybody else in two weeks. Bye, everybody.